here's the thing. I will Hello, thank you for joining me. My name is Amber Moore. I am your host of Real Boys Talk. Today is, or actually this month, is women's history. And as many of you know, women's history sometimes leaves out our masculine identified or masculine presenting um, women and the accomplishments that we've had. So Real Boys Talk started a series about two years ago called We Are History. It was a social media campaign. This year, we've taken the next step. We are interviewing some of these amazing masculine presenting women and finding out what they're doing. My first person that I am going to be interviewing is Asia Lestar Owens. Welcome, Asia. I have known Asia for quite a while. So I want to share this amazing person with you. If you have never met her, guess what? You're losing out and you want to get to know her. Today is the opportunity. So Asia, we all have, or we are learning that you are running for mayor of Jennings. Yes, Please I am. talk to us about how that came about and what your plans are. What is it? What's going on? And how is it going? <laughs> Notice a lot. Thank you. <laughs> I know. Thank you so 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 much for having me. So um, for those who don't know, I I live in Jennings in Missouri, which is in St. Louis. So uh, it's like a, a municipality. It's in St. Louis, and this is where I grew up. So for over thirty five years. You know, this is my community where I grew up. And when I moved here, my family, we were like the fourth black family on the block. And so over the years, you know, definitely things changed. And so now it's a mostly black uh, community. But I noticed that over the last like 10 to 15 years, you know, the, the community just declined a lot, especially in the uh, the side of the uh, community that I grew up on. I noticed that, you know, we had over a thousand, you know, derelict properties, a lot of vacant lots. You know, you start to see a lot of people coming in like dumping, uh, the crime and violence was on a rise. And so I always think about when I grew up in that same community, uh, it was very community oriented. You know, it was a village. Everyone knew each other. Everybody looked out for each other. We kept our yards clean. You know, as, as little kids, we used to love, it was an honor for us to, you know, make sure we kept our neighbor's grass cut, shovel their snow. You know, we earned our little money and then all my friends, we would put our money together, go to the store and you know, sharing our resources. And so growing up with that type of mentality, that's what actually just kind of prompted me to live a life of service because of the way that I was brought up in that same community. So um, about four years ago, I actually ran for city council. Um, and the person who I unseated, you know, had been in that, that seat for about 15 years. And so that was my first, you know, experience of like getting involved in local politics. Um, and then I eventually got out of it um, and started working for a U.S. Congresswoman. Um, and from that experience, I learned a lot more, did a lot of, you know, a lot more research, uh, networking and meeting a lot of people in the community. And so one of my, uh, my sensitive areas is the senior community. And one of the things that I noticed is that even though I was no longer their city councilwoman, they still called on me for a lot of things, you know, if they needed resources, if they, you know, wanted to get in, you know, if they needed help, you know, just connecting and engaging with the people that are still their elected officials, they would always just call me for everything. And so uh, around Christmas, they invited me to a, a little luncheon and they were just talking about how, you know, we just, we feel like, you know, you're the only one that represents for us. You know, nobody really comes to see about us. Nobody's concerned about us. And I've heard that a lot from them and other people in the community. Um, for a long time, a lot of different neighbors tried to get me to run for, for, uh, for mayor. And I just feel like for me, everything is all about the right timing. And, um, you know, one of my friends said to me, she was like, you know, um, you know, you're young enough that you have some time that you can like, you know, sit back and wait another term. You know, but the senior community that you care so much about, they might not be around to see it. So 
that was really what prompted me in my spirit to go ahead and um and put my name in there and run for run for mayor. How's it how is it going right now? Like I know you're probably all over the place, but how how are you feeling about the race right now? So I'll be honest with you, I'm a very transparent person and you know, politics is not easy. Um, you know, especially if you're someone who is like, you know, community oriented for real, you know, like you really take a lot of stuff so personal. And I think that politics and especially a campaign is like anything that's a competition. So if you think about if you're a sports, you know, if you're in the sports and you it's the championship game, you know, only one team can win. And so sometimes the things that people would do to win, <laughs> you know, can be pretty extreme. But to me, um, it's all about, you know, just remaining, uh, you know, grounded. You know, a lot of people that support me, you know, constantly remind me, um, you know, just lead with integrity, lead with compassion. Um, and so to be honest with you, it's challenging. It is very challenging. But at the same time, I think that God gives this, you know, his toughest battle to his strongest warriors. Absolutely. Do you feel that like, do you feel you also have that pressure of being a masculine presenting that's on top of the fact of you being a black female? And, and, then, and then, of course, you are representing an older group of people you know, that are in Jennings. You feel that you also now are a role model. You having to step into that role model um, for us as masculines as well. I, I do. I think, um, you know, again, representation is everything. And when I think about it, I represent so many different minority groups, you know, being black, being a woman, being a lesbian, being a masculine, you know, those are so many different subgroups that like each group, you know, was often discriminated against. So one of the things I was pretty proud about is when I became city council or city council member, I feel like to your point, you know, it just kind of gave permission for other people to know that it's okay to go into this and also just be yourself, you know, because I've never changed who I am. I don't, you know, come in and like, you know, let me go put on a blouse and a dress. Like I just don't like doing it. So I'm not going to do that. And I can just be unapologetically me uh, because when it's about the work and you're doing the work, I think people start to lean in and really see that it's not about how you present yourself. It's about if you're keeping your word, you know, it's about, do you show up, you know, are you accountable? I think those things start to like, you know, shine through more so than the visual of how you look on the outside. Tell us about what, what challenges did you have as city council? I apologize for not knowing that you were on city council. So tell us about that experience of you being on, like what things did you make changes of as being on city council? So one of the main things that I, I ran my campaign on is like community engagement. Um, that's really important to me because I feel like a lot of the underlying problems are rooted in the disconnect with community. Um, so, because th the thing is, if I don't know you, then I don't value you. So if I see somebody breaking into your house, I'm not going to say anything because one, you know, it's not my business, you know, and we don't have a connection. So community engagement was one of the strongest things that I ran on because it was a part of, again, getting to the root of why we show up the way we do. So one of the major things that I did was a lot of community resource uh, events, you know, block parties, uh, community cleanups. You know, the community cleanups were important to me because, again, we can't talk about what the problems are if we're not going to get in front of the problem ourselves. So I encourage our residents to get out here and like, hey, you feel like our, our neighborhood has like, you know, declined. What are you doing? You know, I, look, I'll make it to where there's no excuses. I'll go out and buy the supplies. Exactly. <laughs> you just got to show up, you know, so um, 
a lot of the changes that I that I was like personally committed to was the upkeep and the cleaning up of our city. So a lot of the derelict properties, a lot of the lots that were abandoned, you know, a lot of times I would call in on my friends and family members, even the ones out of town, you know, they might donate so that we can get supplies or that I might be able to pay people to come out and, uh, and take care of those properties. Awesome, awesome. Now I know you as the amazing, amazing uh, flowing of words. You are very poetic. Um, and so you have been a poet as well as an author. What, are we still are we still embracing that, or have we put that on the back burner for the for the political you? Or are they are they about to be intertwined going forward? You know what? And I think uh, I am so glad that you asked me that question because honestly, um, that is so much embedded in who I am. I can't get away from it. But I do think that you know these last couple of years, I've been so immersed in just like community that a part of it is, is just who I am. So sometimes I think even the way I speak come out poetic. You know, if I'm just speaking with people, I think it just sounds like a poem or a rap or something. So it's still in me. But recently I have been more proactive about getting back into those communities because honestly, poetry was always my activism. You know, I, I never saw myself in local politics. So I always use poetry and music and art as a way to express how I feel about things happening in the community. I think a lot of things changed for myself and a lot of my friends and colleagues in St. Louis after Mike Brown passed away or died or got killed. Um, I think when that happened, there was a major shift. You seen a lot of like artists and authors and you know literary individuals, you know, start to shift from poetry to politics, from hip hop to politics, from art mm. to politics. I've seen a lot of people start running for local office. And I think we all just kind of like, you know, started to use our voice in a different way. So I still do. I'm getting more into, you know, going back to open mics. And um, I recently had a feature um, a couple of weeks ago. And so being able to have that platform to still do what I love doing, but then now also talk about, well, this is what I'm doing now. Um, it was a great marriage. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And I know that like you did a children's book. What inspired that children's book? So I've always wanted to do a children's book, but um, I didn't know that the first children's book would end up being what it is. So ironically, it's actually a poem that I wrote. It's a poem that I wrote in my very first book called Refuge. And the name of that poem is called Rock What You Got. So that poem was something that I would always do at the end of a set. Like if I went to an open mic, I would always end with that poem, Rock What You Got, which is all about just loving to embrace who you are. We are unique. We're all different. We show up different. Um, but to just love and embrace who you are. So that ended up becoming my children's book. I actually have six children's books now. Um, and me and my sister, um, you know, I, I've written 13 books. I got 13 books published, but um, I, have si I have six children's books. And then me and my sister, we also wrote a couple of books together. And my brother, who passed away suddenly about a year ago, he wrote a book, too. And we got that published, too. So we're just awesome. family of uh, poets and authors. <laughs> there you go. There you go. What what better way to, to be able to show people generational wealth? And so yeah. you've done these amazing books. So we're going to we're going to talk on a very touchy subject. Because as okay. you know, in this country, for some reason, people are banning books banning books that are unnecessary to be banned. Books about Rosa Parks, books right. about Martin Luther King, books about uh, Marcus Garvey. They, uh, I mean, they're just banning books about us, basically as African-Americans in our history. How do you feel? I mean, I know you have your political, you are, you know, you're going to be the mayor, and I'm putting it out there, you're going to be the mayor. <laughs> I think I'll claim you know? it. 
Um, and I'll be proud to say I know the mayor. I know the mayor. <laughs> um, but how do you uh, how do you feel about this? That they're wanting to ban books for you being so big in literary and, and in literature, and also being a writer, of course. How do you feel about that? Um, I do not agree with that. I think that books like music are timeless. They are classic. You know, whether it's something that is, uh, you know, positive, negative, because the thing about it is I look at it the same way I look at like poetry, art, music. It appeals to everybody, but in different ways. And so for me, being a poet, you know, I can go out and speak, but what I say might not resonate with everybody, but it's, it's going to resonate with somebody. But then the next person that get up on the mic, what they say might not resonate with everybody, but they're going to touch at least somebody. And so even when you think about with books and literature, you know, first of all, it's history, you know, and that's something that lives on forever and ever and ever. Like even when we go, you know, books and the, and the history that's within these books, they are there. I mean, and the thing about it is as people, we should be able to have the option to, you know, learn from, from all parts of our history, whether we agree with it, whether we don't agree with it, whether we want to challenge it, but we, we grab from history, we grab from literature, from words. And I don't think that anybody's book should be banned. So even if I don't agree with it, if it's that controversial, I still think that it's a place for it, even, even if it's just for research, you know, even if it's to contradict it, maybe you want to, you know, take from that and create something different. But I don't think that anybody's book, especially books in our community, uh, because we can't erase history, you know, and that's where you find, you know, that's where you find information in books. So I don't think any book should be banned ever. Do you feel that, do you feel that politics are, are, or the political arena is changing in terms of the direction in which it's, it's focused on? I see that we're now focused on drag queens reading to children. We're not focused on poverty. We're not focused on that what was middle class is now, you know, poor working class. You know, we, we're making it, we make, you know, we, barely making it. We stretching everything. Do you feel, and this is outside of, I know, you know, running for, for, a, for an office, do you feel that our politicians are no longer focused on us, more on what's going in their wallet? You said what's going in their wallet? Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. I think that at the end of the day, um, you know, honestly, I think a lot of times uh, good politicians start off you know, with the good, goodness of intentions, like with the best intentions and somewhere along the way, you know, whether it's an opportunity, a development, money, title, status, power, something shifts you and it makes you kind of like sway. You know, I think it happens to a lot, even the good politicians. I think you get tempted, you know, with some of the opportunities that are, you know, before you. So, um, you know, I definitely think that, you know, um, it, it's, it's changed so much. And I think that's why it's important for the people who are really like motivated by the people and motivated by community to get in. You know, it's important. And not only that we get in, but that we get in and remain grounded and focus on what brought you there because it's so easy to get enticed and, and you know, and, and go in a whole different direction, you know, once you get in. And I definitely seen that when I was on the city council, you know, it was very difficult to stay focused um, when there are so many other things. I mean, I've had people, you know, want to sit down and have meetings with me and I'm thinking that we're about to talk about one thing and then it shifts to something else. And so for me, it, it's, um, it's definitely always an opportunity to uh, keep your ground and to stay humble and, and stay having integrity. Because even if you think you're getting away with something, it's always going to come up. 
you know, somehow or another, because I don't know if you uh, follow what happened in, in St. Louis like about a year ago, um, but, you know, there were some politicians here that, you know, were doing some underhanded things and now they're about to go to jail. You know, so sometimes you think you're getting away with stuff, but, you know, in my opinion, a lot of times when people want to send you away for, you know, for something, they'll, you know, they'll let you think you're getting away with it, but then when they hit you with it, you know, you know, you're going away. <laughs> of course, of course. And so, you know, you, you, you are, if you don't know, you are a mentor to those, they might not ever say it to you, okay? We, we have learned, you and I, we know that we walk out our homes, you hear your mother saying, all right. You know, don't you act up because you represent me. Well, guess right. what? I know you know that when you walk out your home, you're representing a lot of hats and a lot of people. And so what is your, who mentors you? Who is your, who is your inspiration to keep you getting up fighting every single day? Wow. I mean, thank you for that question. And really, it's so many people. Um, I have a very close relationship with my sister and with my mother. Um, so I'm very, and before my brother passed, you know, my brother, you know, I'm very fortunate to come from a loving, supportive family, you know, and honestly speaking, even if they didn't agree with my lifestyle, you know, I think they've always just respected me, the person. Um, and that's very important because at the end of the day, I know that there are some people who, you know, their families, they don't understand it or they don't agree with it. And so they reject their family member, you know? And so for me, I will start off by saying, you know, my mother you know, my sister, um, before my aunt passed recently, you know, my aunt, it's just so, I have so many loving, supporting family members first. Um, I, I would definitely start there, but then I have some good friends. Um, even, you know, some of my friends that I met when I was in college, I went to Xavier, New Orleans, got a shout out Xavier, but some of my good friends, I mean, you know, they just, they show up at the right time. If it's just not like, you know, just a text to say, I see you you know, keep going, keep moving. Um, you know, and a lot of times when I do things like this, like running for uh, office or if I'm doing a, you know, a fundraiser or anything like that, you know, my friends from all across the country, just they pour into it, you know, whether it's with a good word or a donation, things like that. Um, I mean, I have like good colleagues in the community. Like, I mean, if I start naming people, I feel bad because I forget people. <laughs> just a village. You know, I just have a village of support. You know, and I want you to know that that's a rarity, as we both know, mm -hmm. it's rare that that we as masculine presenting have that. First of all, to have that family support is already yes. amazing. So congratulations yes. and amazing, you know, and tell your mama I said, thank you. Um, <laughs> because she's given she's given us an amazing person, you know, and, and I say this, you know, yes, you'll be the mayor. Um, <laughs> and, and just stepping out there to take that, she, you know, her giving you that, that confidence know that you can accomplish and do everything that you really put your mind to it is what some of us don't have. So I congratulate you and commend you for having that as well. Um, thank you. Thank you. So now that we, we've looked at that business side of you and, and uh, I'm, I'm going to ask the, the, the personal question of how is all of this affecting, you know, if you're in a relationship or wanting to be in a relationship, how is all of what you're doing now? How is that affecting that opportunity? Well, you know, I think that to be honest with you, it is challenging, it's difficult. Um, but I think even before this, it would be challenging and difficult dealing with me because I'm not the best when it comes to time management. And I think that because I'm so much about community, a lot of times my personal life is affected by that. A lot of times I'm not showing up 
for my partner or for my family members in the ways that I need to, because if somebody called me right now and they need, you know, a ride to the store or a pamphlet for their baby or whatever, I'm going. Like my instinct is always to go and help people. But sometimes I think that I end up neglecting the people who, you know, also want that time and attention. So um, it's challenging. And is it hard? Is it also challenging for you to find your own space, your own quiet moment? time at because um, i mean running for mayor i don't know i would assume <laughs> running for mayor is almost like you 24 hours because you go to bed going okay i gotta do i right. gotta do you know right so are you able to even carve out time for yourself i mean it is challenging and i think a part of that is because like i rejected myself like i i reject me time you know so i think that it would be easy if i just like you know accepted it but I think for me personally, in my mind, I'm always thinking that somebody needs help. You know, somebody needs something. Somebody, I need to be available. And my sister always tell me, you know, you have the right to be unavailable. But in my mind, I'm like, somebody always needs something. So I think it's, it's a challenge for me because I don't just embrace it. So lastly, before we close out, what words do you have for our masculine presenting going forward? Like, what, what would you like to let them know that we need to do, we need to be doing? I think the first thing you need to understand is one, who you are is so magical and so dope and so unique. And I think that people wish that they could be you. <laughs> like, I think that a lot of times people, they might treat us a certain way because maybe it's something in them that wish they could be outwardly confident and, 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 you know, and, and sure of who they are, because it's not easy to just embrace and accept who you are. But my, my uh, words of advice to you is one, like own who you are, love who you are um, and walk in your confidence because at the end of the day, like, you know, again, we are all created uniquely who we are. And sometimes it takes us going through different things in life to really find like that comfort space. Like, you know, like, okay, I'm comfortable here. Because even if you're a masculine obsessive person or whatever, you might not necessarily feel like, oh, I want to put on a bow tie and I want to wear, wear my hair like this or, you know, dress like this who you are, like, you know, be okay with who you choose to show up as. And also understand that, like, as we go through and navigate life, it changes, you know, like today I might feel like this and tomorrow I might feel like this, but, you know, at the end of the day, if you consider yourself whatever type of, you know, masculine presenting person, be okay with that. And other people will just catch up, you know? Awesome. So before we go, other people, what you need in your campaign, from, what do you need from us? and how we can find you, and how can we get involved, how can we just support you? So here's the thing. I know that when it comes to campaigns, any, any type of political campaign, the number one thing you need is money, right? But I won't say money first. I will say what I need is affirmations. I need prayer. I need support. I need like, you know, those random messages of like, you got this, <laughs> you know, because when, when I get those, that's what keep me going. You know, because it's usually at a time where I'm like, oh, my God, you know, these people got me messed up, <laughs> you know, but then I'll get that message or I get that 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 reminder of my why. So to me, the main thing I need is like just positive words of encouragement all the time. And honestly, even after the campaign, you know, because whether I win or whether I don't win, I think just having that, you know, constant support of you are amazing. You did a great thing. You try for your people, you know, or if you, if, if I do win, it's one of those things of like, Hey, now this is a whole nother situation that you have to be prepared for. So to me, 
that's the number one thing. But then also, of course, donations are always needed because we need to, you know, make sure we're constantly getting your signs and, you know, billboards and promotion material and things like that. So, yes. Okay. So on Facebook, how do we find you? On Facebook, I'm uh, Aja, that's A-J-A, Lestar Owens. And then um, on uh, Instagram, I'm Be The Change Now, S-T-L. Um, but then I also do have um, Aja Ford, the number four mayor, uh, Instagram. Um, I have a Facebook page. I have a website, uh, Um, But yeah, any, you, you can look me up, in, you know, A-J-A, um, any, you, anything should come up. Yeah. All right. Appreciate you giving us the time. Um, let us know who you are, and and let us know what you need from us, and and, and let us and for us to let you know you have our support. As masculines, you. you have our support. I I know you're gonna be the mayor. You're gonna be an amazing mayor. <laughs> you know, and and I know this is not your stopping point. You know, I know you got more to do, and you're gonna make it. Like I said, you're gonna make major contributions to the political world and to your community. Um, Thank you. But I'd like to say, I tell everybody. When it comes to the conversations that we have, this real boys talk, take what you've heard about Asia, take it offline, tell somebody else about her, and definitely keep this going. You can hear that. You can also, she will be, this particular uh, conversation will be on, of course, podcast that you all are listening to now, as well as it will be on the website, realboystalk.org. So again, take it offline. And definitely, we will be doing this again. We This is a conversation. We're going to be doing a series throughout the month of March because this is Women's Month. And this is about We Are History. Thank you all for giving me your time. And we will see you again next Friday. Thank you.